so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he ever takes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Guaranteed to be a better brand than the E-Bussy. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. I uh, never thought I'd get to say this, but here goes. I'm public service broadcaster Andre Harrison, and welcome to episode 251 of Motorsport 101. That's an actual thing we'll get to in a minute. But, uh, well, well, guest of a public service broadcaster. <laughs> I got paid for it, therefore I am a public service broadcaster. Technically. Okay, fair. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> do, 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 do you hear that, kids? That's the one time King backed down on something. That never happens on this show. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy that Enjoy that license fee cash. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best kind of cash. Hey, guys. I'm Andre Harrison. Welcome to episode 251 of Motorsport 101. And uh, it's been quite the week, to say the least. I'll get into some of the nitty-gritty details on that later. <clears throat> But uh, we'll also be breaking down a lot of the second MotoGP race we had this season at Haref, the Andalusia GP, or as we like to call it here, Haref 2. And uh, with me, as always this week, is Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yes, gl- glad to be here. Uh, ooh, it- it's it's weird, because I want to mention episode 250, mm. even though this is not, uh, well, technically this will be afterwards, right? but... It's weird because 249 hasn't come out yet at this point in time. <laughs> time is weird. Time is weird. No, no, our episode is in pre-alpha. <laughs> pre-alpha. It is weird. We are kind of half playing catch-up and half going into the future at the same time. Is is this the is this like the really confusing part of like being a time lord? I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll figure this out later. I I, I don't envy Jody Whittaker's job. Let's put it to you that way. With me as well as RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Hey. Uh, anybody feel like going out for some lemon pepper wings? Hmm. Does it mean leaving the Motorsport 101 podcast bubble? I mean, it didn't work for Joffrey Archer in the cricket. <laughs> Look, Dre, it's National Chicken Wing Day. Damn it! Yeah, that's right. And I, f- <laughs> I found this great restaurant uh, in downtown, uh, Magic City. Mm. Uh, very delicious, from what I understand. <laughs> what about the wings? Uh, apparently, they're the best wings ever. Apparently so. I I, I did hear that rumor doing the rounds. That uh, after what was it? It was, it was Lou Williams, wasn't it? That um, he uh, Lou Williams of the Clippers of the Clippers that escaped the quarantine bubble for chicken wings and maybe some strippers. Chicken wings. Yes, and he got outed in a rapper's Instagram story, and the rapper deleted the story and tried to play it off like. Hey, this w- this was recorded a long time ago. <laughs> but in the video, they're wearing uh, face masks, so oh. like, it's clearly during the pandemic. They really do think we're that stupid sometimes. God bless them. Oh dear. <laughs> Speaking of lemon pepper wet, Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hello, everyone. Um, for those of you who didn't know, I just flashed the uh, the willpower salute at Drake. <laughs> to be fair, I kind of deserve I, that one. I have nothing to add about sports. Nothing at all. I don't want to talk about sports. I don't. Let's move on. 
Hey, at least your t- at least your team has a chance. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Not a, not a chance to rack up the most positive infections. Is this a time for the uh, for the for like for us to start a Derek Cheetah roll call? You know, considering the teams involved with the MLB coronavirus outbreak, the Red Sox might be coronavirus free and still play worse than teams with coronavirus. Yay! That's a plus. And in fairness, as much as we dunked on various motorsport series that had uh, somewhat lackluster COVID nineteen protocols, didn't get this bad. Didn't get no. this bad. No, uh, like like Australia, the Australia F one incident wasn't shit compared to this. <laughs> Eight, 18, oh 18 plays and staff on roughly a forty person roster. That's like nearly half the team. As, as confirmed. As confirmed right now, the number keeps rising. Clown ass <laughs> now, motherfuckers. Now you know why we don't have an Australian Grand Prix. Let's put it to you that way. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, so uh, More uh, uh, better news, though. We did find that Luigi's real in Super Mario 64. We did. We did. Yes. We've been waiting for all these years, but L is real. 2401, baby. That's Man. right. Big Nintendo leak. <laughs> you love to see it. Um, we are getting the L indeed. But uh, yeah, in this episode 251, again, it's all going to be focusing on MotoGP at Haraf, the second race, the Andalusia Grand Prix, including Fabio Quattararo taking back-to-back victories uh, on, on that one ahead of Maverick Vinales, in, who was in his own civil war with his own teammates. Um, but there's a lot underneath the surface of Yamaha that could be, uh, shall we say, explosive. Um, all of that, including Pekka Banyaya's, you know, sad fall from grace as Icarus flew a bit too close to the sun. Uh, Takanakagami exhibiting his own Mark Marquez by finishing somehow in fourth. And Mark Marquez himself, who tried to race and ultimately failed. Uh, there's a lot going on here. And that's not even the craziest part of the weekend because, uh, we have a legitimate, uh, contender for sporting highlight of the year in the Moto2 race, and it happened after the checkered flag. More on that. Is that a highlight, really? <laughs> yes, it is. Low yes, light reel. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> it, it is a highlight to me, and that's <clears throat> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. We'll get into that. We'll get into Moto3, um, another historic little milestone from Tatsuki Suzuki. And Moto-E is our favorite slide job assistant friend, uh, wins on his second attempt at, in Moto E. Uh, Domi Agata, back, back in the room, everybody. And we'll have a quick look at IndyCar as well, because unfortunately, due to Corona, yet more calendar changes. You hate to see it. Oh. But uh, in the meantime, a bit of general housekeeping, and uh, oh god, I've got to talk about myself again here, haven't I? Oh. Uh, as we alluded to at the top of the show, me, your boy, Dre Harrison, was somehow on a public service broadcaster just like literally yesterday um, as we record this. We're recording this July 29th. I was on uh, Jenny Cow's Checkered Flag show on the BBC. Me, being broadcast to the world on BBC Five Live. I just... I can't even believe this. It's like I, I, I love that Rezzy in the chat media goes, Welcome to Dre's ego stroke session. Piss off, Rezzy. <laughs> 
Yeah, I still am kind of in shock from the whole experience. Um, it just came out of nowhere. I just got a random email about a week and a half ago from Jenny Gow at BBC F1 saying, Dre, we, we're, we're producing a special Silverstone 70 years off show. Would you like to be on it? You know, it's, uh, it's only going to have you, Jess McFadden and Chris Medland on it. And I'm like, would I? <laughs> um, it's like... It's like, it's like, Dre, we'll pay you for it, too. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You you, you had me at BBC Five Live. Like, <laughs> oh, you're not going to take the money? You're not going to take the money? I will take that, too. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was good money. The money's the best part. It's, the, it's a bonus. It's a bonus. So, yeah, we recorded that on, on uh, Monday afternoon. It got, it got uh, played out on uh, Tuesday night. Um... Live on Five Live. There's actually going to be repeats. I think there's going to be a, a scheduled repeat in between um, both British Grand Prix next weekend as well. But if you are from the UK and you'd like to listen to it, you can. It's um, on BBC Sounds. Um, you check it out on there. Um, the whole thing is available there in the UK. If you're not in the UK, you might need a VPN for it. Um, <clears throat> just to say you might want to change your location to say you're in the United Kingdom. Just throwing that one out there. Um, and hey, if you're a member of our Discord server, or if you get an invite to the Discord server, maybe someone else on the show might Don't, be don't, on. no, don't imply that. Don't maybe, imply that. Maybe via totally <laughs> legal source if you can find a workaround. Maybe, just saying. Um, but, uh, of, of course, I just want to say special thanks to Jenny Gow for inviting me on. Special thanks to Chris Medland and Jess McFadden for, for sharing on such an awesome platform with them. Um, Jess was extremely sweet about the whole thing, and I, we were both nervous as hell um, about the whole thing. But uh, we were, we, we, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was an incredible experience, and um, I wouldn't trade that in for anything. So. You know, f for me to be able to represent M101 on a bloody national radio platform is... It's the stuff of dreams. So, thanks to everyone that's that supported me on the way. And, you know, if, if it's a one-off or anything else, who knows? But I'm just going to enjoy... I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the experience for what it was. And uh, we'll see how we go going forward. But uh, it was it was an honour and, and to be able to do that. So... Big thanks to Jen, who seemingly has seen something in me and and everyone else. Um, that's it was incredible, incredible experience. So thanks to everyone as well. I can say, hey, I was on the BBC, which is um, just fucking crazy to say the least. Um, get the general housekeeping out of the way. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We just crossed two and a half thousand subscribers on there as well. So thank you, everybody. Yeah! We did it, Reddit. Yeah. Uh, um, big thanks to everyone that's been subscribing. Um, some big video numbers as well on our last two videos on Mark Marquez and on Sergio Perez and the situation at uh, Racing Point. Uh, nearly 3,000 combined views on those. So thank you, everyone that's been tuning in. Uh, there's, um, there's some momentum in the room, and that's always great to see. So thank you to everyone that's been subscribing over there. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at CBuckley917, and at Ryan Eric. King. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows before they are released to the public. And $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they go out. 
and eventually on YouTube as well down the road. Thanks to everyone that rolled up for episode 250 as well last week. Much appreciated. It was a pretty darn good test. Um, we're still ironing out some of the kinks down the road. Um, King, do you want to tell the public your little uh, your little bitrate issue that you had? <laughs> just 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 because we're a family here, we won't, we won't, we won't judge you. Honest. <laughs> so uh, it would have been unnoticed if you were watching the stream. <laughs> But to to me and everyone else behind the scenes, behind the controls, you probably noticed, we, well, we noticed that there was a large delay in the broadcast, and that was due to me forgetting a single zero out of the bitrate. <laughs> so instead, oh of, the, instead of the bitrate being at uh, 25,000 kilobits, it ended up being at... 2,500 kilobits. It was a tri- That's a big difference. It was, it was a tribute to our sub count, clearly. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, we're, Hashtag we're, on brand. We're learning it as we go along. We're getting there. Don't worry. We have some plans regarding this going forward. You'll see in due course. Keep your eyes peeled to social media. Uh, it may or may not involve an, an upcoming series' finale. The very electric, shall we say. Stay tuned for more on that. But uh, yeah, as I mentioned, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. And our website, of course, we can find all those details and a whole lot more, motorsport101.com. Thank you to everyone that's listening in, as always. Now, after this quick musical interlude, we'll be back to talk about MotoGP and the Andalusia Grand Prix. This is uh, this is inside Mark Marquez's head as they're repairing his arm. <laughs> when can I go racing again, Doc? Uh, <laughs> oh dear, it's uh... <laughs> as we said. I thought a cat had wandered in. <laughs> oh dear. Right. So for those that didn't listen into 250, um, here's a quick catch up. Uh, As mentioned in the first Grand Prix at Haref, Mark Marquez suffers a hellacious high side at uh, turn 3 slash 4. Bad one. Um, He gets yeeted off his motorcycle after putting a wheel on the paint, um, gets launched into the gravel, breaks his arm. Um, Breaks his arm, uh, was stretched off the circuit. Um, They flew him back to Barcelona. Uh, very quickly for a uh, surgery on his arm. It was a it was a clean break to his humerus. There was a lot of rumblings in the air about the potential future. Could it be, could he have damaged his radial nerve? Um, could it be nerve damage, etc., etc.? Thankfully, it was not that. They operated on Tuesday. It was a pretty clean break of his humerus, which amazingly is probably the best case we, scenario uh, for those sorts of breaks. We got X-rays. We, we got X-rays. Oh, and oh my fucking oh god! Oh lord! The size of that plate and the size of the pins in that plate to hold yeah, his arm I, together. I think we counted what. 
a plate, a rod, and 12 pins oh, into his bow. Oh, it's... yeah. Like, it generally looked like they put a third bone in his arm. Yeah. It, 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 it was... If you really, really want to see it, I don't recommend it. It's on Mark Marquez's Instagram page, uh, at Mark Marquez 93. Don't look at this <laughs> if you're He's having done. breakfast, lunch, or dinner. No, I, I do not recommend it. It is gruesome. I'm imagining that. But it's, as Lewis says in the chat, looked like a garden fence in his arm. Um, it, 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 re- it really did look like that. It's 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 all oh, yeah. Well, I consider that a content warning. It's gruesome. Um, but uh, yeah, they operated it. It was a complete success on Tuesday. The, and they were talking initially about it maybe being six weeks before he recovers. It quickly got brought in to maybe two weeks at Bruno. Um, I remember, like, I remember literally if you saw the Marquez video we made last week uh, on the channel, uh, I had to actually edit in an extra 50 second segment because Simon Patterson for the race had uh, put a uh, extra a breaking news story in the middle of me editing the darn thing where it said, oh, he might race at Bruneau in two weeks time or three weeks time, I should say. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool, cool. Um, As I say, the timetable for this was changing seemingly on a per-hour basis. Yeah, because 24 hours later, Repsol Honda announced on Twitter, Oh, he's flying to Haref. You what? <laughs> yeah, and they tweet a picture of them getting the number 93 RC213V out yeah. and starting to prep it. We're just like, wait, there's no way. We went from potentially career-altering injury to he's going to race next week in no time at all. Yeah, they'd li- like Lewis pointed out, they'd literally packed away his pit box, and then when they found that he was flying to a ref, Alex Marquez's crew had to unpack the whole thing again um, in the in the space of an hour. It was uh, it, the the story was changing rapidly by the hour. And on Thursday morning, we see Mark Marquez enter the circuit um, it, with face mask, entourage in tow, thinking, oh my god, he's actually going to try and race this weekend, isn't he? But nothing more than a compression sleeve on the fucking arm. No cast, no nothing. Yeah, amazingly, they had the medical test on Thursday afternoon. Him, Cal Crutchlow, and Alex Rins, let's not forget, all three of them. Uh, did not race last weekend through to various injuries. Crutchlow had a broken scalpioid and concussion symptoms. Alex Rinza dislocated and broke his collarbone. You know, double header. You love to see it. You don't. But uh, and and yeah, all three of them were declared fit. Um, and uh, since then, uh, pr- and props to MotoGP for doing this. Uh, it's not like one of their social media teams in the, in the Discord or anything. Um, but props to them for putting the entire video of, of of Marquez in the doctor's office training on on YouTube and on their on their social media. It was an, I've never seen that before, where you're actually seeing some of the medical tests um, that were taking place um, just just to determine Mark's fitness. And he, he's he's in there doing press ups, and I'm just sitting there going. What the fuck is he doing? It was just <laughs> yeah, like like for for the vast majority of us, a clean break in the arm is a few weeks in the cast and crying until you take some painkillers. Pretty much, a lot of more. He's out here just he's out here doing fucking push ups. Yeah, push ups, push ups in 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 a doctor's office, forty eight hours after an operation on his arm. I just I I don't even. 
I can't even begin to describe how freaking crazy that is. Um, but as I said, he was declared fit. They they had him race. They had him ride on Saturday mornings. They, they skipped Friday altogether. Um, they said he's going to ride on Saturday because for those guys that don't know, um, Saturday is the early is the latest you can enter a race as a participant. So they skipped Friday altogether. They had him race on Sunday on Saturday. Sorry, he was in free practice free. Um, I think he was around 20th place. He wasn't stone dead last. He was actually going relatively okay, about yeah. a second off the leading pace, um, which everybody was thinking, okay, at that sort of pace, maybe minor points wouldn't be, you know, outside the realm of possibility. Over over one lap, he was a second off. Actually, during his race pace simulations, I think he was something like five, six tenths. Which... Yeah. He was doing 30... yeah. He was doing 37 sevens, which he said was about the same race pace he had last the week before so he wasn't a million miles away um which again 37 sevens would have been very competitive race pace um not bad at all um it's, it's, it's a little bit of that you got to take into account the track was seemingly faster than last week until saturday afternoon because the temperatures got super super high like over 65 degree track temperature um during saturday and sunday during the race because hey it's a ref in the middle of july um but uh yeah he was not a million miles away but towards the end of fp3 he had a wobble um i don't think the hard cameras caught it oh i i did see mm. uh they did post it um it looked like a relatively typical Honda wobble going into a corner, and it was on a right-hander, mm. and after that, it just seemed like however however much he was controlling the pain before, it was just, it got too much. Yeah, it, it, it's, it seemed to really inflame the arm. It, it looked like it might have done something, that, like completely yanked it out of joint or something like that, because it swelled up a ton in between FP3 and FP4, he was really struggling. His his arm looked like a thigh. Yeah, he 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 he, he goed back out and he went back out in FP four. He was really struggling, really off the pace. The pain level had clearly increased. He promised his team that uh, he was going to. Um, yeah, he, uh, thanks, Lewis, for pointing out. He did an eight-lap run in FP4. That was the plan from uh, Alberto Puig, his, uh, from Honda's team manager, saying, yeah, we're going to try eight laps as a stint, or six or seven laps at a time. Um, and it was too much. It was too much. He'd come in. Yeah, we should uh, we should describe the color. He, um, you know, he has his normal tan, and then his arm was uh, Thanos purple. I think we put yeah. it. We just we discussed yeah. that last week. But yeah, yeah, his arm was, was in a good. bad way. Honda, what? The, Honda and Mark has made an agreement. Like, we'll let you race, but you got to be honest with us. And Mark is just like, yeah, I'm too hurt. I can't do this. Yep, he did. Uh, he did one lap. He tried one out lap in Q1, and it was too much. Yeah, he came in. He parked the bike and didn't even stay in the garage. He went straight back to the motorhome. Yeah, that was it. Um, when we saw his arm on the back of the scooter, it like his his right arm was one and a half times the size of his left one. It was. I joked about it last week. It was it was like me after a rooster strip platter. Um, it, it it didn't look great. Um, it was. Uh, it was inflamed as all hell, and that was the end of Marquez's weekend. Um, Puig then came out in a press conference about 20 minutes later and said, yep, that's the end of his weekend. He will not race. 
Um, and yeah, Marquez's yeah. weekend was over. Um, and yeah, back to back to the motorhome, back to rest up and try and heal up for Bruno, which is next week uh, at the time of recording. Um, and that was that. Yeah. And, and he talked about mm. it and he said uh, he was pretty honest with the media. He came out and said after he realized and accepted that he wasn't racing, the pain tripled. Yeah. Yeah, he, he said for a lot of it, um, mind it was for a lot of him it was mind over matter, um, and once his, his his head was telling him that he can't race, that's when he really apparently started feeling it, and yeah, that was that was the end of the weekend, and uh, it's uh, whew, it's. I want to talk about this a little bit more in depth because we also we didn't we didn't we kind of ran out of time on, on episode two fifty because we were already over two hours by that point. Um, typical us, but um, I can't describe how superhuman that was, and it is crazy. And I will say this much on from purely from a social media standpoint. I think we had more non-regular bike fans tune in for this weekend because of the possibility of Marquez returning, maybe since Sepang 2015. I can't remember the last time I saw that many people that I that I see on my timeline, obviously that are mostly Formula 1 fans or mostly fans of other motorsport series, but in particular tune in or pay attention to MotoGP because there was a possibility that Marquez could race. It was it was incredible. My mom, who's into she's into motorsport, she's not really into Grand Prix motorcycle racing. Mm. She saw it on the news and she asked me like, "How's he going to ride with a broken arm?" Right. He he tried. His will to win, his will with himself to force him to do the things he does is unlike anyone I've seen in yeah. All of motorsports, and Lewis said it himself on on, on social on, on on our Discord in the back. Said he we had a lot of non moto GP personalities engaging, which kind of backs up exactly what I was thinking when I was watching the coverage go by on Twitter and on other places. This was a big deal. This was, and it, it all like this. This was the one that made a, I think that made a lot of people second guess the very nature of motorcycle racing itself because. This is not the first time we've had guys pull off miracle comebacks. We saw it. I mean, the one that that was broadcast a lot on most social media platforms, and even BT Sport that was covering the race itself, was Jorge Lorenzo and Aston in twenty. Well, I want to say feels like oh, thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen. Thirteen. Remember where, that with the uh, the broken collarbone. Yeah, he had, and the Superman ads in the background is he's riding on his broken collarbone. Yeah, racing yeah. forty eight hours after having a plate put in his in, in his shoulder after breaking his collarbone, and that was a one hundred and forty mile an hour high side in the wet. And Assen, and he, he's on yeah. a bike again two days later, and finished in fifth. It was, it was incredible. But I, I, I think I, there wasn't the firestorm regarding that incident that we that we had now seven years later. Now, of course, a lot of that is just social media in general. A lot of that is just new fans, new interest. Of course, you know, t- social media in twenty thirteen is not what it was in twenty twenty. But I think it's just you know I don't I don't think there's much of a difference in terms of the the actual severity yeah. of the of the injuries no. but when you th- when you hear someone say hey this guy is going to ride a motorcycle he broke his arm clean last week yeah. or two yeah. days ago yeah. this the the shock value of hearing that yeah. that he even attempted it yeah. that he even yeah. attempted and pulled out just short of qualifying is nothing 
short of spectacular. Yeah, and like, I wouldn't say it's a thing that's that's caused by social media. Like, people are just naturally curious. Because the first thing that came to mind when I, you know, hear you talking about this is probably like, all the way back in, say, like, 2004, for those who are football fans, if you remember Super Bowl 39 with the Philadelphia Eagles facing off against New mm. England Patriots, mm. and Donovan Donovan McNabb, who was in a similar position to Mark Marquez, and, like, people thought that he was the person who was going to carry the Eagles across the line, and he was sick going into the Super Bowl, and there are questions on whether he was even going to play or not. Mm. And yeah. he played regardless, and people were fixated on, is he well enough to play? How is he going to perform? Pretty much the rest of the team was essentially irrelevant. Mm. Didn't Terrell Owens also play that game on, like, a broken ankle? Yes. Yeah, it's things like that. It's things like the Michael Jordan flu game. dodgy pizza game, because it wasn't actually the yeah. flu. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, it, it's these these feats where these extraordinary human beings with abilities that we don't have, yeah, we can only watch and wonder are affected by things that would stop us in our tracks and they force themselves through regardless. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. I, I do help but wonder on the other side of the fence, was this the one that maybe pushed it a little too far? Because I saw a lot of people on Twitter that same weekend that were screaming, please don't do this, Mark. Because we, we talked about the luckiness of the injury itself. If he hits the radial nerve that we, talk, that we talked about during the injury, yeah, he, it's career-altering. If you look at the x-ray... He's a, he's a half an inch away from ending his career right then and there. Yeah, and it, it and it would be and it would be Mark Marquez, the man that once hopped off a bike at two hundred and ten miles an hour, that would somehow dodge that bullet by the by by a whisker. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, like Mark Marquez was medically cleared to participate, right. and that does bring into question on whether MotoGP should heighten. The requirements to medically participate in a Grand Prix. Yeah, there was there is a fair there yeah, is a fair debate saw, to have about like, that, and like it's it. This was interesting. I know a lot of people were very quick to pay, to, to say, "Oh, conspiracy theory." Because like, I got a lot of people tweeting me about that. Um, and then, uh, the unfortunate nature of it is that I've now become MotoGP rookie helper guy on Twitter to some people. And uh, thanks for tweeting <laughs> me. I do appreciate it. I mean, I always want to help new fans out where I can. And a lot of people said, "Well, Dre, how can he be medically cleared to do this?" And I said, "Well." You're never going to fully replicate riding a 200 mile an hour, 300 horsepower motorcycle that weighs 158 kilos in a doctor's office. No, it's important. Yeah, you're not going to replicate that outside of the MotoGP track. No, there's nothing else like it on no, Earth. No, but you know, you can certainly try and get something near to that. I mean, doing push-ups two days after breaking an arm is pretty darn close, I would argue. And you know, being able, you know, Mark talked about it where he's. It, it was it was mind over it was mind over body. His body wasn't clearly wasn't ready to go back racing, no. and his willpower forced the pain down to a point where he could ride. Yeah, and eight laps in, but he was never indeed ever going to do a twenty five lap. Race, no, not a chance. Let alone not qualify. a chance. Look, looking back in hindsight, there was no way on earth he was going to do a full distance. I mean, Neil Hodson talked about it. He actually was quite eloquent about this on on BT Sports. 
um, talking about how they were just trying to basically, when he dirty had an arm injury, they would just yank on the arm a lot, just obviously just, you know, almost try to dislocate it in some cases just to see if he can handle the pain and the tolerance and how it felt. You're never going to replicate that in, a, in, a, in an office. And people were like, oh, Dre, yeah. it's too much, it's too much. And I was like, well, Dre, what do you think? And I always told people the same thing. You are never going to be able to stop people from trying to write mm-hmm. if you can't, unless, like... Unless you impose a minimum layoff after injury, which people in MotoGP are not going to let slide. The riders aren't going no, to agree to that. No, right. There's no way to stop them trying, no, and, except well, in cases like concussions well, in, in, where... in fairness, comparing yeah. you know back to the National Football League, they did impose mm-hmm. a minimum layoff for concussions. Yeah. Like, while yeah. concussion protocol is flexible, the minimum requirement is when you get a concussion, you're just out for the rest of that game. You cannot come back in. Right, right. Yeah. And and they have independent doctors for that now. That's the difference. And that was the one that people flagged up to me. It was like, wait, Crutchlow's riding nine days after being diagnosed with concussion-like symptoms? And I was like, I will admit, that one is a bit sketchy. Uh, they, they, they did give him a yeah. CT scan. It came up negative. They had to clear him. They can't not clear him if it's come off negative. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, look, I am. I, you're talking to the guy that made a Dre Brief video about this two years ago with Danilo Petrucci, where it seemed like the doctors may have missed a concussion because the way he was talking about how he was out in FP3, he didn't. He said he didn't know where he was. He was confused. Clearly, it seems to me like you know that Petrucci had a concussion that day, and it looks like it, he might have been cleared to ride anyway. And that's what well, if you want to look at how mm. you know the the symptoms might affect someone who's in a motorsport situation, look into Dale Earnhardt Jr. in NASCAR who had concussion after concussion for so many years that it ended up cutting his career short. Yeah, it's because there was times where he didn't have any gaze stability where he would stare out into the corner and his eyes would start bouncing. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And look, as look, Lewis is spot on in our chat where he just says, look, you're never going to stop these guys from trying because that's the whole point. You want to try. There are championships. There's races on the line. Yeah. There's guys that want to be comp- as competitive as they can. Yeah, the only way you're really going to get something like this through is if you bring back drop rounds. And I'd figure 2020 with this compressed schedule would be like the perfect time to like try it out as a one-time experiment because if you go down and and injure yourself, you're going to miss a lot more time than you would have when the calendar was more evenly spaced out over eight or nine or ten months. Yeah. Yeah, but then you you get the situation where the riders aren't going to agree to that. Never. And people like uh, people like uh, Matt Oxley, people like David Emmett, who are two of the best authorities around, go follow them, please. They say, like, the riders aren't going to agree to that. Never. They thrive on this. They thrive on the gladiatorial nature of this. Yeah, and to yeah, be... But, and t- like, at a, some point, you... you do get the chance to over, overrule the riders for their own safety. I was going to say that that mm. that's the whole point. Like I was going to say, like and, and Lewis again is spot on with my way of thinking. Factories would never endorse that sort of thing because they want to get their riders on the bike and they want to compete and give themselves the best chance possible. I did say there, like I I actually would not be against a a minimum recovery time similar to what happens in mixed martial arts. For serious injuries, yeah. where you know three or maybe even six month layoffs are are commonplace due to injuries like concussions or broken bones, etc., etc. Um, but I also like you're absolutely right. There is a gladiatorial nature of the sport that not only do 
you know team bosses and the riders have because that they do this because they love it at the end of the day to a degree we as human beings and we as sports fans love that too it makes for captivating stories and narratives you know we we plug that because you know look, look, the feedback to this race is walking proof of that like i said this is this is the, like, this is the most attention i've seen for a grand prix in five years and yeah. like the fact that that is even a thing is almost exclusively on the fact that marquez tried to ride on a broken arm so it's something that maybe we as fans also maybe need to check as a cultural issue that, hey, you know, maybe we should be... And to be fair, there was a lot of fans who tweeted me saying, Mark, please don't do this, because we know how important he is very to GP, split. and we know how... It was very split on social yeah, media. Yeah, it was... And, and yeah, I'm not saying that we are all ES fans are all, oh my God, we got a lust for blood. No, it's, it's... If anything, it was very split down the middle as, it's, as to whether we actually wanted to see this guy race or not. Um, but... It's something, you know, maybe we need to keep an eye on as fans ourselves because, whoo, this was a tough one. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I can only applaud Mark for trying, but, my God, I was watching like this for most of the weekend with my hands, you know, over my face. And not just because I was wearing a mask in some places either, but just because in general it's... Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was wincy. It was, it was, it was crazy. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, RJ just put it in the, uh, put a couple pictures of Mark from uh, free practice. Mm. He's got a broken arm dangling an inch above a curb. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just. I actually wanted to post the one from last week because yeah. his Hareth helmet was so cool. Yeah, him and Alex's yeah. they match. It, it, they matched and they auctioned it off um, to help out key workers in Spain. They raised, I think, over sixty thousand euros um, for COVID nineteen relief in Spain. So cool as always. So well done, Marquez brothers. They're, again, yeah. they're, they are very, very good at that sort of thing. So yeah, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, it's 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 it, it, Marquez was a lot this weekend, and hey, if he needed any more proof about just how box office this man is on or off the track, this yeah, that's that's the biggest. Thing. No matter what you think of the man, no matter whether you like him or not, the man is box office. Yeah, he, he, which means somehow we tr- <laughs> we had to have a race without him. Of course, yeah, uh, we, we, we we managed, we managed, um, and yeah, it was it was solid. It was it was a it was a very interesting Grand Prix. Um, maybe not for the reasons you'd expect, but um, let, let's let's get the most boring elements out of the way. Fabio Quattararo won this race by a country mile. Um, he yeah. took off. He was ne- he got off the line well. Yeah, never was headed. Yeah. Like, uh, Maverick tried to chase him down in the early goings, tried to move, couldn't make it stick, and then that, and he ended up going wide at the, at the, uh, Lorenzo corner, the final hairpin, if you didn't know already, and, uh, that was the end of the race, from a competitive standpoint, because <laughs> after that, Quattororo was gone, he was like, ha, you missed, and that's the end of that, um, he, he, he took off, and he was not touched again, Ma- um, Maverick tried to move at the, the Jorge Lorenzo corner, the final corner on track, I think it was the early, like, maybe first couple of laps and then that was it he went wide at the hairpin couldn't come back and then that was the end of the race from a competitive standpoint Guadararo took off and he would not be caught uh simple as that um Maverick fell to the second group uh, and all of a sudden what's that in the background it's Valentino Rossi in second wait what (laughs) Valley's back everybody hooray don't all don't all cheer at once 
Um, yeah. <laughs> he was back, but this was at kind of a point where Maverick's pace started to tail off early on because he couldn't make a clean break. This is uh, this has apparently been the criticism of him during this whole stint at Yamaha. Mm. Uh, there was a point where Rossi was holding off a bunch of people just by sheer force of will and being better on the brakes than everybody else. But mm. once uh, once Paco Bagnaia saw a look, uh, an opportunity should, uh, to get past. Yeah, Vignalos dropped behind Rossi, and then despite having clearly more pace, he was as we alluded to before we started recording, two chicken on the brakes. Yeah. Rossi was, Rossi was putting on a defensive masterclass against him, mm-hmm. but it was clear that uh, Rossi didn't have the lap time to chase down and bring everyone back up to the, uh, back up to Quartararo. Indeed. Um, it's easy to forget her. F is a very technical circuit. It really only has one proper overtaking opportunity, maybe two. And the first one is obviously down the back straight towards Danny Pedrosa corner. I, I, I called it dry sack last week. I forgot they renamed it after Danny Pedrosa a couple of years ago. Um, that's a Pedrosa corner. And then Lorenzo corner, ironically, the two, the, the two former riders have the corners named after them. They have the two big passing opportunities. Um, um, so yeah, that's really the, o- the only two places you can pass a guy. Um, and even then the pass at Lorenzo corner is hard. You kind of have to block pass him because of the short run down to the corner. So if you're really late on the brakes, like demonically late, like Valentino Rossi is, it's very, very hard to pass somebody. Um, and that's how Rossi was able to hold Maverick off pretty much all the way until the final three laps. Um, when those two were together fighting each other, Maverick, he, he was getting all the runs in the world. He was faster coming off corner exits. Um, he was able to be a bit smoother compared to Rossi that was squaring off a little bit more. But Maverick just could not beat him under braking until right at the end of the race uh, when Rossi basically had no tyre left. Um, and that's what, that was that was the main fight for the for the lower places, lower places on the podium. Now, we mentioned, well, you know, we, we, we would have mentioned it would have been probably for the last spot on the podium because this was the coming of age race for Francisco Ban- Peco Bagnaia. He arrived! Oh. Peco arrived! He's here. For a while. Yeah, um, Peco cut his way up through the pack, got past Vinales. No, no late breaking was going to save Rossi from the power of the Ducati. No. Wow. The, it w- there was just one straight where it was a difference. But it was like a difference between an LMP1 hybrid and an LMP2. And we've established that this uh, this is not one of Ducati's strongest tracks. This and is Echo the least and Jack Ducati Miller track. for a wire were, were making it work. Obviously, Miller low-sided it while running in fifth. And then while running in second on the 20th lap, Paco Bagnaia's engine let go. Started smoking everywhere. He was the fastest man on track for three quarters of the race. Yeah. yeah. He, like before, we were talking about like the possibility, like, could he reel in? Could he reel in, Fabio? By the time he got up to second, the race was probably well and truly gone. But he was pulling a consistent two, three tenths out of Quattararo, which, again, this is the least Ducati track in the world. Right. And the fact that the Premac boys were making it work as well as they did... For as long as they did, until obviously Jack lost the front, mm. Pecco's bike expired. Pecco deserved better than this. He, he really did so so well. He was brilliant. This was like the rookie of the year fight we were expecting last year: Quartararo versus Bagnaia. Mm. And this is Quartararo, the Pecco we thought we were going to see. Yeah, 
Cordoraro had a great last season. Pecco, maybe not so much. But yeah, Pecco now... was described as riding the Ducati too fast in the corners. <laughs> yeah, um, he was not. Imagine he was not adapting his riding style to what Ducati's strengths are. He was this year, and we've seen the benefits. Pecco himself admitted after the race that uh, he had gained confidence with the GP20 slash GP19 as his time had gone on. He gained confidence. He'd found the limits of where the bike was, and that he was able to translate that into just genuine, outstanding race pace and. We saw flashes of this last week, but this was the race where he kicked it up another gear and was running a comfortable second, was gaining time on Quattararo. Probably not enough to maybe win the race, but certainly was the fastest man on yeah. track when the engine let go. Disappointed the stewards didn't pull out the, the uh, meatball flag fast enough because he was smoking for almost an entire lap. Um, yeah, he tried. And, He's just like, I'm <laughs> I'm going to ride this thing until the pistons drop out the bottom. Yeah, um, he, he eventually realized, oh, the thing's cutting out, and we maybe pull off to one side on, on the main straight towards uh, Pedrosa Corner, but... Uh, you could see on 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 you know in, on the sidelines you know behind the tire walls how devastated he was because this would have been a bona fide second place and career high finish for Pekka Banyar if it wasn't for that incident and, and an engine blowing up in his face like that. So Pramac, who was on pace for at least one bike on the podium, ends up with absolutely nothing to show for what was one of their strongest weekends ever. Probably since Haref, probably, hey, uh, probably since Le Mans last year when Petrix was, was second and I think Miller was fourth that day. Yeah, he, uh, they, they gave the factory Ducatis a bloody nose this week. They were definitely I was going to say... They were they were the factory team. It's like they had swapped roles for a bit. Yeah, it it, yeah. it was a Davi is lucky that he salvaged six out of this. Yeah, because Davi was nowhere in qualifying. Yeah, he qualified on fourteenth on the grid, and Davi was not competitive all weekend. The factory Ducatis in general were looking extra struggleicious. Go technically speaking, they really struggle in really hot weather because their tires slide around an awful lot once they get up to temperature. They're really like, like Ducati's one of the rare bikes that it's actually better when it's colder. Um, and the track temperature, as I mentioned earlier, was upwards of 65 degrees during the race. They were hot <laughs> as hell. Imagine, uh, imagine in a imagine in a, uh, a sim in a sim game. You're just like, hey, can you keep the heat out of the tires, please? Right. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, they were sliding all over the place, and that's what led to the factory Ducati team struggling, but the Pramax were able to make it work. Um, and yeah, a real shame for, for Petrix and Miller. Uh, not Petrix, sorry, um, Banyaya and Miller there not being able to get anything out of this race. It was also a shame because uh, Frankie Morbidelli, who was, again, probably on pace for a career high finish, certainly in the top four, maybe even a podium, his engine let go um, with 10 laps to go. And uh, it also unearthed a ton Keep of a, 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 a ton of potential yeah. future issues for the Yamaha factory team because uh, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah, um, the biggest open goal that Yamaha has had for a championship since 20, 2016. Yeah, <laughs> and they're blowing it. They might be blowing it. Down to the engines because, uh, boy, oh boy. Um, yeah, we looked at the engine allocation after this race, and uh, it turns out that both Maverick Vinales and Valentino Rossi have both already had one of their five allowed engines for the season 
they've already have to withdraw them because they can't be fixed. Um, as you as you may remember, Valentina Rossi had a technical DNF and had to retire from the her ref race last week for that very reason. Um, that engine is no longer allowed to be used; it's been withdrawn. And Maverick had a similar problem earlier on in the season as well. So they've already had yeah. one lost engine. As yeah. it each as it is now, Morbidelli's almost certainly going to lose the one no, that he just had. That. Um, they have all they're all they get five engines for the season, they're all on either their fourth or fifth engines, and we're two rounds in. Yeah, oh, is that good? I don't think that's good, y'all. That is uh, that is ungood, decidedly ungood. Um, Shades of Mick Honda 2017. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 bad because if you have to go over your engine allocation in MotoGP, it is an automatic pit lane start. And uh, what is the Yamaha not so good at doing? Going in a straight line faster than all the other bikes. They are they are more of a finesse bike. Yeah, yeah. So in the event they have to take a extra engine penalty. At say I don't know Austria, yeah, that Yikes. could be that could be very bad. Yeah, and even beyond that, you're it's it's either you're risking your bike blowing up in the middle of a race, or you take a pit lane start to play it relatively safe. And given they've already gone through and had to play with four or five of their engines, there's no guarantee a Yamaha engine can last a race trim right now, and that is catastrophic yeah. for that factory team going forward. Especially when, you know, we, we we talked about him earlier. There is a big shadow waiting to come back in MotoGP. And when he's back to health, he's going to be on the warpath to try and salvage anything he can out of this championship. Yeah. You can't give him an inch, even on the shortened schedule, even with Fabio being perfect so far. Fabio was all perfect takes, this weekend. Fabio yeah. had the Grand Slam. Yeah. Fabio has two wins in a row. He's 50 points up. If they have a technical DNF or they have trouble scoring points because they have to do a pit lane start, all that good work is undone. Yeah, this this is potentially a very hazardous situation for Yamaha. And we, we talked about the possibility of Dovi maybe winning the championship on sheer consistency alone right now. The bigger factor could be Yamaha maybe deciding where their championship might end up, depending on where they can manage their engines and how. And that is a potentially devastating situation, given that arguably yeah. their two top contenders are going to be teammates next year. That, that'll, that'll put pay to that partnership before it even begins. I, I, they, I do uh, not, they have yeah. the open goal, and they are slipping on the turf like John Terry in the 08 Champions League Ooh. final. Oh. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, we've got, you know, in, in your theoretical championship competitors, you've got every Yamaha with a glass cannon for an engine. Yeah, yeah. Davi up and down the field between injury and the Ducati, the factory Ducati's inconsistency, mm -hmm. and you've got someone who hasn't scored any points yet because he has a broken arm. What a season we're having! Walking wounded, <laughs> walking wounded here. Everybody's crippled in some way, shape, or form. Everyone's got a significant potential weakness. What a season we're having, everybody! And we're only, we're probably only going <laughs> to have thirteen races, um, and we're only two races in. Yeah. We're only one track in. Yeah. 
Because, and, and, and apparently Quattararo was pa- apparently oh. part of the reason he was so busted was because he listened to a tyre scr- scrubbing trick from from Michelin that no, apparently only two guys listened to that, hey, the new tyre is actually better if you scrub it in for a qualifying run first. And apparently one of, he was one of only two dudes who listened to that strategy. And that's partly why Fabio wow. was so good. Um, when Michelin yeah. gives you advice on how to utilize their tires, you listen. Right. We ain't talking about Continental here. We're talking about Michelin. <laughs> right, right. You know, a, a madcap war of attrition because only 13 dudes saw the checkered flag in this race and only 12 of them are on the leading lap. Here's a full breakdown of the actual results in the end and we'll break down some of the other little stories we found out in the middle of this race as well as we go down the line so to speak so Fabio Quattararo winning in the end by 4.5 seconds over Maverick Vinales who's 10 points behind him in the championship after a pair of seconds Valentino Rossi on the podium third in his 25th year of him in Grand Prix motorcycle racing the 25th year in a row he's been on the podium (laughs) <laughs> this just wow. it beggars belief. Yamaha sweep. In a race weekend where some people were considering parking it due to the uh, issues of potentially heat stroke, the 41-year-old ended up on the podium. Amazing. Bruh. The, the man is a <sighs> walking that, marvel. What, what's, what's left to say about this, man? It's it's impossible. He, he is a walking cheat code. Shout out to the best career weekend for Takanakagami, ladies and gentlemen, in fourth place. Out of yes. nowhere. <laughs> On a year-old Honda, picked up the torch for Honda when they looked like they were going to have trouble scoring points. Yeah. Um, he said it himself. He he tried to take. Uh, he tried to implement some of Mark Mark Marquez's style into his own riding. Yeah. And he was he was hanging it out on that bike in practice and crashed in qualifying, yeah. but made it to Q two, so he had a minimum starting position, and he. Had a good, clean race. Good, clean race. Was gunning down the Yamahas at the end of the Grand Prix as well. If that race was maybe two laps longer, he might have had a shot at the podium on last year's Honda. Outstanding ride from yeah. Takanakagami. Um, that was awesome. I would say, I will Honda hear no Nakagami that. slander this day. No. Because there's been plenty of Nakagami slander, no. including from his own teammate. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, just, just... Who is busted up anyway? Right. Who's busted up anyway? Way to go, Taka. Brilliant ride from him. Fourth place, a career-high finish for the, for the Japanese man. Great to see him back up there. Great to see Japan up there in the, in the premier, cry, premier class up the front of the field again. They've been missed as a country when it comes to bike racing, certainly. Joanne Mir in fifth for Suzuki. Great ride from him. I think that might actually match his career high as well for Mir in fifth on the Suzuki team. A, a, a good, clean race for him. It was kind of in no man's land, to be fair. He, was, he wasn't fast enough to be in the leading group but he also was a bit faster than the second pack below him but it's a good clean race for Mir and a and solid yeah. uh, and, and solid points um yeah best since uh philip island last fall yeah indeed great drive from from, from joanne Mir. dovi in sixth he'll happily take that given the attrition war oh yeah and the lack he'll of pace around him. Yeah. That, that's actually 10 very solid points for dovi in the grand scheme of things um he will take that yeah, that's the thing with dovi Davi being nowhere weekend, he he made something out of it. it That's where he's dangerous. Indeed, King. Uh, we yes. we got to talk about your boys because <laughs> Paul Sparkler King, King King straight up not having a good time. KTM. This may be their worst race 
in their time at MotoGP. Can, can, can we, can, you wouldn't be able to tell because Paula Spargo finished seventh, but nobody else even finished. Can, can, can we mention that Miguel Oliveira initially qualified fifth? Fifth on the grid for this race? In the Tech 3? Things were looking great. Fifth? Things were looking great. And then Brad Binder accidentally, but very accurately, takes him out of the race at the first corner. Yeah, he thought he was his brother. Oh. (laughs) Oh. It it was straight up. Brad, no! Straight up knockout. And as Lewis Lewis put in the chat, it's bad because the KTM is legitimately a quick bike this year. Again. And they just keep... Throwing it into the ground, and then Binder would Should crash. Point, is this a race. bad time to point out that uh, KTM and Honda are dead level in the constructors' championship? <laughs> <laughs> Again, for the second race in a row, Binder in open air was as fast as the leader, and then Binder goes and bins it himself later on in the race. But oh man, Binder was so quick. I remember he was doing like. 36 eights in, in FP4 and FP3, so I should say. And he was getting stand innovations from his side of the KTM garage. They loved this shit. Um, they were... Oh, man. Like, the, the KTM is fast as hell. But they've not been able to... They've only been able to string together good races via pole so far. Um, and Paul himself was struggling with heat exhaustion. Um, hence why he probably wasn't as much up there as... Uh, as, as he could have probably been last time out. But, uh, King, get your mans. Get all of your mans, except for Paul, once again. Uh, fi- finally noted, have a good uh, bike, and we're going to war with each other. Again! Na- na- noted uh, noted steel trellis scooter maker, KTM. <laughs> Civil War again. We just got over Johan Zarco doing this to Miguel Oliveira last year at Silverstone, and it's happened again! <laughs> I, I was rooting so hard for Miguel Oliveira after he put it on the second row in qualifying and I was so disappointed when I saw Binder took him out. God damn it. Never take out the... You never wipe out the dentist. Again! It's happened to him again! Like, second time in two years! Oh. My heart goes out to Miguel Oliveira. He did not deserve that at all. My word. Just one of those things. Alex Marquez salvaging eighth place for Repsol Honda. Um, <laughs> Alex, uh... I'll Alex- take it. Terrible, terrible qualifying, but I think, I think something clicked with Alex in FP3 when Mark was faster <laughs> than him with one arm, and I think Alex is like, okay, I gotta get my shit together. Enough, <laughs> enough. Yeah. He was, he was quite a lot better in the he race. He had a great start, obviously mm. aided by Oliveira oh and Bender's incident. He was yeah, up to thirteenth after starting twenty-first. Yeah, he was plus eight on the first lap. Right. I would love to see Alex get it together as the season goes on. Yeah, he definitely... And after that, he rode a pretty clean race, made a couple of nice overtakes. Yeah. He was getting there. And uh, I I want to touch on something you just mentioned, RJ, because I think it just put it in perspective for me. KTM and Honda are in the same place in the constructors. What was Alberto Puig saying? That they were successful without we, Marquez. We won those championships. We, we won, won the those last championships. championships. Who the hell? Where's your god now? <laughs> <laughs> Where's your god we, we appreciate the efforts that Takanakagami and Alex Marquez put in today. But you are in trouble without Mark Marquez. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Without Mark Marquez. It's not a coincidence. A good sign. It's not a coincidence that every 
We didn't even mention every Honda crash this weekend. Yeah. All of them. In some way, shape, or form. But Without well, Mark Marquez. Well, well, at some point. Okay, no, Mark Mark had a wobble and it hurt his arm. Mm. Understandable. Mm. Alex had a hellacious crash in FP4, I believe it was. Yep. Yeah. Was FP4 or Q1? Um, it was Q1. I don't remember. It was Q1. Definitely Q1. Q1. He crashed. His arm got caught in the bike. He stands up holding his right arm uh, and we're just no, like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Not again. If, 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 if there's a promising sign, uh, as Lewis pointed out, Alex Marquez was eight seconds closer to Quattararo than he was in the RAF in the race one. So that's a promising sign for Alex yeah, going He made forward. a big step. Yeah. Uh, but between, you've got two, you've got two riders with ver- a various collection of broken bones. You've got the bike yeeting Alex into the gravel trap and I mean, we, we were thinking, oh no, not again. Mm-hmm. Not another Marquez brother holding his right arm. And Nakagami crashed in Q2. Yeah, it's a... Uh... This bike is really fast in a straight line, and it's really agile. Other than that, yikes. Yeah, it's, it's, there, there, there's, there's, some, there's some teething problems there, to say the least. Johan Zarco, remember him? Ninth um, on the Avintia for Ducati. Good result for the Avintia team there. Alex Rins in 10th. A week after a broken collarbone. Ridiculous. Insane. I I saw you mention Zarko's finishing position. I saw King's face. (laughs) Yeah. King winced. Um, (laughs) But Alex Rins. No, no, Rins. Rins, another superhuman. How on earth did he do that? 10th? 27 seconds off the win. dislocated shoulder. Yeah. What the fuck? For, for all that we were going on about Mark uh, trying to ride his bike, uh, which is still fantastic in itself, Alex Rins did quite well, all things considered. Temp, he'll take that. He was only a second a lap or so off the leading bike when he had a, when he had his collarbone put back into place six days ago. Wow. Unbelievable from Alex Rins. That is an insane result for Suzuki. They will gladly take that in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Superhuman performance from Rins there. Again, no one will talk about it, but uh, that was an insane result from Alex Rins. Tito Rabat was 11th in the end. Bradley Smith on the Aprilia was 12th. Um, and the last man over the line was Cal Crutcher, who was a lap down. He actually came into the pits mid-race. He was Cal was going to park it thinking that it was a bit too much for him to continue, but then he was in, he was politely informed by his team at LCR that, uh, uh, Cal, there's only 14 bikes running. You're guaranteed points if you can make the flag. And Cal was like, all right, um. <laughs> he, 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 he carried on. He got over the line in 13th, so three very valuable points for the championship for him. Only finished a lap down in the end, but uh, again, br- racing again with, with, with after nine days after a concussion and a broken scalpioid, um, which is one of the most notoriously dodgy bones you can break as a bike rider. Um, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant ride from Crutchlow, all things considered. Uh, the attrition list is rich and plentiful. Uh, Bagnaia's engine failed six laps from the end, as did Frankie Morbidelli's nine laps from the end. Brad Binder had a, a second incident um, mid race; he would not finish. Petrix crashed as well, unfortunately, uh, on lap eleven. Jack Miller, as mentioned, slid out from underneath him at turn two. Um, he would not finish. Alicia Spargaro, all the hype about the Aprilia cabinet, he would bin it. He said it himself that his 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 riding style does not fit where Aprilia's strengths are, which is uh <clears throat> not a good sign. The Aprilia hype train has already been oh. massively derailed, unfortunately. 
Um, <laughs> and Ike Laquona crashed at Lorenzo Corner in the early stage. And as mentioned, poor Miguel Oliveira, this race ended at turn one. Very much a bummer to read about. Championship standings real quick, because we're at early days, we'll get them out of the way. Top five real quick. Quattararo with a perfect 50. Maverick 10 points behind on 40. Dovi on, in third on 26. And then Takanakagami, fourth in the championship with 19 points, tied with Polar Spargaro. Good lord. You love to see <laughs> You'll it. love to see it. Rossi in sixth on 16 points, um, just outside of the top five. Um, again, a very interesting race. Not maybe the most balls to the wall on paper, but certainly uh, keeps you on your toes, shall we say, um, on yeah. this one. support classes real quick moto 2 um unfortunately oh, no. unfortunately this was again a bit of a tame race by moto gp standards na bastianini got the whole shot and like luca marini valentino rossi's half brother by the way uh last week wasn't and really never mentioned it. really i never knew this no, never um after that, wasn't really challenged the whole way through, unfortunately. Marini would take a very nice slab of 20 points for finishing in second. Um, again, largely uncontested. It was it was Sky VR 46, 2 and 3, because uh, the Bez, Marco Bezzecchi, would, would get his first Moto2 podium in third. Let's not forget, he was still recovering from a broken ankle. Um, he suffered from last week's crash he had. But that wasn't why we were all, uh, shall we say, <laughs> laughing at the results. Um, it has since gone viral, but uh, post-race, um, Marini and Bezecchi celebrate their double podium finish. Um, you know, the, the usual rider handshake where they're riding side by side on track. And uh, Bez loses it and takes them both out after the flag. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It, it was one of the great sporting bloopers of modern times where you cut to... They, 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 when you're watching it live on BT Sport or on the World Feed, they cut to it like... You see Marini's binned it on the side of the track after the flag and it's like, how did that happen? Did he run out of fuel or something? Or was he hit after the race? And then they show the replay of him and Bezecchi shaking hands and then they both just go in the gravel... Um, sorry, I got the wrong. I got the wrong bike ride. It was actually Marini that went down and caused Bezecchi to fall over. I got the, I got the, I got the names. Oh. Thanks, Lewis, but, uh, oh my! I just God. had to watch it again, God. though. It's just, it's <laughs> like they tried the handshake, and Marini, I guess, just fucking like pulled a, pulled Bezecchi down with him. Oh no, no, no! It, it is. It is a legendary all-time motorsport blooper. Oh dear! I think they got. I think they did get back on the bikes and like Marini like kicks them off afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they just crashed and they still hug it out afterwards, <laughs> even though their bikes are on the ground. It is it is utterly hilarious. Check it out on MotoGP social media if you haven't already. Um, and I love that Sky VR forty six themselves were taking the piss on Twitter with their statement of, and I quote. Does anyone know where we can find the forms for the accident statement? Suggestions are accepted. Rule number one, all is well what ends well. <laughs> it is yeah, no. It is hilarious. Valentino was, quote, in disbelief. 
<laughs> the man is like, oh my lord, these are my idiot children. When I see, <laughs> when, when I see, <laughs> when I see my two bikes, the two bikes of my team in the gravel after the checkered flag, I say, this cannot be true. <laughs> It's I amazing. directly understood that to shake hands, they touch the handlebars together, and they both crash. Oh dear, 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 oh dear! It was hilarious. It was hilarious. A brilliant moment there. But uh, I like it. I love that they were all just they just didn't care. They were all just happy as hell. They finished second and third, and a great ride for Marco Bezzecchi, A week off a broken ankle to finish in third. That's a phenomenal ride from Bez, um, showing some of that Moto Free promise we saw from him a couple of years ago. Sam Lowe's in fourth again, back to back fourth places for Sam Lowe's. Just Going about minding his business and picking up some good points. Good to see. Aaron Cannon, the walking tattoo in fifth. Jorge Martin, sixth, ahead of Tom Luti, Xavier Vierge, Stefano Manzi, Marcel Schrotter rounding off the top ten. Tetsuya Nagashima not able to continue his, his solid form in eleventh uh, place. Nicolo Budliga, twelfth. Augusto Fernandez, what's happened to him? Uh, Mark, uh, Mark VDS. The, betting, the preseason better's favorite. Yeah, one of the preseason. He was second favorite with the bookies going into the start of the season behind Jorge Navarro, who. By the way, second DNF in a row for Navarro. Oh boy, his season, his season Ooh, might already be over um, from a competitive standpoint. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Augusto Fernandez down in 13th, 24 seconds off the win. What's happened to him this season? Remy Gardner, what's happened to him? He, he was down in 14th um, for SAG team there. Marcos Ramirez rounded off the points. The, Jaref, the hometown Jaref hero himself rounds off the points in 15th ahead of Edgar Pons. Joe Roberts down in 17th. Please don't tell me Qatar was a blip. Uh, <laughs> no. It probably oh, was. Uh, also, according to Lewis, apparently Gardner's on last year's Calyx, apparently. Maybe. Oh, dear. The, the, the team of skint, he says. Oh, dear. Struggle Street. Struggle Street. You don't. You, you hate to see it. Uh, Roberts 17th, DJ Antonio 18th, Bo Bench 9 and then Idizar at the back of the field. Again, freaking nine DNFs, including Lorenzo Baldessari. Uh, Corsi, Siren, Navarro, Chantra, Garzo, Dalaporta, Daniel, and Dixon. Not Dixon, who spent most of the entire pre-race flirting with Susie Perry on BT Sports, which I thought was uh, pretty <laughs> hilarious. Again, if you haven't, if you're in the UK, follow BT Sports on Twitter. You will see the clip in question because uh, uh, if, if you know Jake well, he's into all the girls. <laughs> uh, you love to see it um, pff, Very cheeky, shall we say um, But it was all in good fun, thankfully um, But uh, yeah, uh, whew, my word um, a, a chaotic race at the back But uh, Pali at the front uh, Nagashima still leads the championship, by the way On that one by two points now from Bastianini Luca Marini third on 45 And it's a bit of a way back to Aaron Canet on 30 Um Moto Free, and guess what, kids? It was another Moto Free race. Yeah, yeah. Moto Three, continuing our series of the most hilarious shit happening after the checkered flag. <laughs> oh my we'll, god! We'll, we'll, we'll get the podium out of the way because uh, Tatsuki Suzuki won in dominant fashion. Was pretty much it, it, it was closer than it appeared. No one was able to show Suzuki a wheel really for the second half of the race. Was in complete control the whole way around. Think of that. Think of how rare that is in Moto Three. Indeed. Yeah. Like, don't let the winning margin fool you. It was, I know it was only 0.06 of a second, but uh, 
No one was able to show Suzuki a wheel on that final lap. He drove, yeah. he drove I've brilliantly. The, I've got the lap chart right here. Uh, he led all, every lap but one when Gabriel Rodrigo somehow snuck into the lead. Yeah. He, it, Other than that, Tatsuki was one lap away from a from a grand slam. Indeed. And, and as, as Lewis pointed out, I believe the first pole-to-win victory for a Moto Freerider in her F since Marco Simoncelli did it. So I want to say... Back in 2000 2005, 2005, when this was the 125cc class and not Moto3. Wow. Uh, what it, that, that is spooky. I, 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 given he rides for the SIC 58 Scudera Corsa team, yeah. uh, all the spooky and yet wholesome shit goes down in that team. It's actually quite endearing to see. Um, <laughs> as, as mentioned, John McPhee was second in the end, as Lewis points out in the chat. McPhee got last corner flashbacks from a week ago and decided to settle for second. He, he, he didn't go for... It's like, <laughs> I'm good. It's like... I, I have a season to fight for. Let's not plunge it into the into the into the hairpin and go for the W this time round. He did. He didn't go from McPhee to McGee. Yeah, he he, 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 he took his second. Um, and Celestino Vietti was third. Now we have to talk about this because uh, afterwards we went. We, he saw that we went for the po- We saw the podium celebration. Um, you know, normally champagne spray. It's all it's all well and pretty. Um, Celestino Vietti goes for what we now call, in modern day terms, the Lando Norris celebration of the uh, the big sh- you know, champagne, you know, smash on the ground. You know, the court goes up, and you get this little uh, plunging the master sword into the heart of Ganondorf. Yeah, well, well there is there isn't a court goes up because usually the bottles are uncorked before you get them. You, you know what I meant, King. Stop being funny with me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, they went for the Norris celebration, and it went wrong. He cracked the bottle um, on the yeah. podium, and he had to have stitches put in his hand. Um, oh, that sounds like six. more than a crack. <laughs> six, uh, six stitches, I believe. Oh, my God. Six? Uh, yikes. Um, yeah, he broke the bottle. He broke the bottle going for the Norris celebration of the champagne bottle smashed on the ground, and uh, it did not go well. So, uh... <laughs> I, love what, I love also Valentino said, uh, in part for me, I said to my brother and to Bez, keep attention on the podium now. Don't make another disaster. What a weekend for Sky VR oh. 46. Um, my word. Um, Vietti, like, cracking his own hand open off a broken champagne bottle. That, that's that's got to be up there for, uh, again, yet more hilarious sporty nurse. Again, uh, again, thanks to Lewis again. He's been really helpful here. He put a picture. After podium drama with Vietti, of a selfie of him with his hand in a cast. Oh, my God. Six stitches, but rider okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his hand! As you do. His whole hand is bandaged. Ladies and gentlemen, bike racing. (laughs) Sliced his hand open on a champagne bottle, and that was like not even the weirdest event from the weekend. You'll love to see it. Uh, Wasn't even the weirdest event in Sky VR 46. Amazing. (laughs) I don't know, man. Uh, Shout out to Darren Binder, who finished fourth from 31st on the grid. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I want to say plus 25 for Darren Binder on that one. Uh, was in the leading group, probably went one early past too many. 
um, trying to go for the W early in the leading group and fell back to fourth, couldn't challenge for a podium yeah. spot. He was half a second behind, but uh, Darren Binder, yeah. brilliant comeback from him. Gabby Rodrigo in fifth, the only other man to lead a lap in that race besides uh, Suzuki. Ralph Fernandez sixth for the KTM team. Jamie Alcoba seventh. Uh, Sergio, not the golfer, Garcia in eighth. Yamanaka ninth. Tony Arbolino in tenth. Uh, Kaito Toba 11th, Romano Fanati 12th, Kostatai 13th, Nepa 14th, and Niccolo Antonelli down in 15th in the end. Uh, also not mentioning Albert Arena's big accident in the middle of that race, one of the main oh, title contenders. Yeah. Championship implications. It's a good thing he won those first two races. Yeah, big DNF for Arena's on that one. Uh, Shout out Dennis Anshu as well. He was doing oof. well till he fell with four to go. Oh, that was a shame. Dennis was up there in the leading pack as well. That was a real shame. Uh, that showed good pace the whole way through, and then he binned it with four to go on that one. Arena still had a championship lead in Moto3 by six points over Tatsuki Suzuki and John McPhee now in third with 40. Ayagura on 36. Gabby Rodrigo um, in 30th. And would you look at that? Celestino Vietti in sixth. One for every stitch in his hand uh, on 27 points. Um, there. <laughs> Finally, Moto E. And, uh... <laughs> oh... I, so shout, out, shout out to Matt Dunn on commentary, by the way. He's the most enthusiastic commentator on earth while watching Moto E, and I love him. He's the most wholesome man <laughs> in the paddock. You love to see it. Are we talking uh, Are we talking Davide Valsecchi? Very much so. Very much so, only on oh, two I wheels. I love it. Uh, Lewis, pass on our regards to the man. In, <laughs> pass on our regards in the in office next time you see him. Uh, but uh, Come on the pod! You love to see it. But uh, another new winner in Moto E in the, in the World Cup in, in the race, and it was our favourite slide job man himself, Dominique Agata, were his first yeah. career win in six years. Um, remember that Moto Big 2 race? Big Switzerland. I'm like, wait, Dale Jr.'s in Moto E? (laughs) Look, Switzerland's great, and the flag, it's a huge plus. Indeed, it it is a huge plus. uh, It's literally a huge plus. I hate it. Perfect. I hate it. How did... Get me off the show. (laughs) Oh, no, you don't. It's Cam heads for the exit door. Uh, uh, Dominique Agata taking the win he won pretty comfortably lights the flag essentially in the end but there was chaos behind him because there was a big incident uh, with a handful of laps to go as main title contender Eric Granado clashed with Matteo Ferrari um, oh boy it was a it was a biggie Granado would end up finishing in 13th and having to limp the bike back home in the end but uh in a fast and furious six-lap race, uh, that was there was implications on uh, on that one to say the least, and it ended up promoting our friend and yours, Spanish Elvis, Jordi Torres in second <laughs> in, in, in his rookie campaign. Great result for him on the Pons bike. Great, uh, great job to have Jordi Torres in second. Matea Cassidy on the podium in third. Alex DeAngelis recovering from that false start he had last week in fourth, just ahead of Nicolo Canapa, rounding off the top. Five. But a uh, yeah, quick Moto E World Cup standings. That now puts Dominique Agata in the lead of the championship by 11 points ahead of Jordi Torres in second. Our two favorite Moto E riders are one and two. Brilliant. It's good to see it. Uh, Eric Ganado third on 28 points. Um, and Atea Cassini in fourth on 27. I also love Luce had to get this one in there. Shout out to Nicolo Canapa for not splitting his bike in half this week. <laughs> 
Oh no. Wor- worth a mention. Oh, that and that will just about do it for um, yeah. for a Molo G. We've had our fill of Hareth. Indeed. We're done here. We're done here. Just about uh, we've, uh, after two chaotic neutral races, <laughs> to sum it up quite best, I think, in uh, Hareth this time around. Uh, MotoGP will be back next weekend, August 9th, at Brno, one of our favorites. Uh, so yeah, Brno, a place that you have visited. It's a it's a beautiful part of the world. It's 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 uh, it, it's a, it's lovely. You love to see it. Uh, Bruno now holds a special place in my heart, and uh, hopefully we'll see a fitter Marquez and yet more chaos in a week and a half's time. I'd love to see that a uh, year maybe, after. Maybe a little less chaos. You know what? I'd still love a healthy amount of chaos. I'd love to see Mark Marquez uh, take pole position by a ridiculous margin in mixed conditions. Hey, sure. if Again. it rains, if it rains, he might lights to flag a win with a broken arm. Right. Wow. Don't, don't, oh don't, even, don't even tease <laughs> that possibility. My arm hurts just thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah. We got some IndyCar news to talk about. Yeah, we do. Before we get yeah. into the schedule, though, just a couple things. Jimmy Johnson had the road course chest in a Ganassi Honda, mm-hmm. which is the most 2020 thing until championship-winning NASCAR crew chief Cole Pern, best known for his work Mark Turretts Jr., announced as Connor Daly's lead engineer for the 500. Ooh. That is big. Big. Yeah, that big. is fucking huge. Cole Pern was one of the best... One of the best guys, one of the best engineers in all of NASCAR. He stepped away from the sport at the end of last year after coming up just short of a championship with Truex. That's a big, uh, it's a big catch. Oh, and uh, yeah, that's big. Johnson maybe could still run the Harvest Grand Prix, which is now not just one Grand Prix, but two. So do, uh, do they clash with NASCAR? I want to see here. Let me see. Well, race one, r- race, they, uh... race one's at 2 p.m. Eastern. Race two on the Sunday is at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. So the funny thing about the name, the Harvest Grand Prix, that it references uh, a certain event in Indianapolis's history where uh, they knew that there wasn't going to be a 1918 Indianapolis 500. So after the 1917 race, in the autumn, they decided to hold races to make up for the lost income. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. Funny. I did just look. I Time this is up. a circle. Time I, is a circle. Yeah. I did look this up. Um, NASCAR has a cup race on Sunday, October 4th at Talladega. The races, as we'll explain, at Indianapolis are on Friday, October 2nd and Saturday, October 3rd. It's doable. Yeah. It's doable. Maybe. So, yeah. Maybe. So, so yeah. As, to, to, to get you up to speed real quick, the new look IndyCar calendar again. <laughs> as mentioned, Mid-Ohio is now this is now next weekend. It's now a doubleheader, August 8th and August 9th for races 1 and 2. The Indy 500 stays where it is on August 23rd. Um, then we have the two races at Gateway, August 29th and 30th. Um, then nothing in the month of September. Because, uh... Yeah, another really big gap. In yeah, unfortunately... Yeah. Portland, gone! Laguna Seca, adios! Because nobody will wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah, well, and... Well, it's not just that. There are other things going on around yeah. Portland, uh, like some mild civil unrest. So... Right. I, I think that is a bit... 
overblown in context of this yeah. race getting canceled. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. mainly due to COVID-19. Yeah. Right. It's it's justifiable civil unrest. In, yep. Yep. Indeed. And uh, but yeah, like I said, no Portland, no Laguna Seca, so we are not IndyCar as it stands will not race in September. Uh, which is a shame. Yes. And as a quick correction, uh, I got the years mixed up by one year. It was in 1916 because there was not going to be a 1917 500. And yes, the original Harvest Classic was in fact a double header. So let me get this straight here. Did the king screw up by getting a year out of place? Isn't that my thing normally? <laughs> <laughs> one all king. We're all allowed. All. We're, we're all in, allowed one of those. Yep. We're all allowed a mulligan. Yep. I've had about 17 of them, to be fair, so I can't talk. <laughs> so, yeah. Though, in, in, in fairness, I'm pretty sure Peugeot is not coming back to defend their Harvard class wins. <laughs> Probably not. Hey, hey, you say that. You say that. You know, they are they are getting back into some top-level motorsport. They could end up back in yeah, IndyCar. Yeah, they're going to end up as the official pepper grinder of the World Endurance Championship. Hey. F- fuck Ferrari. Give me Peugeot and IndyCar. <laughs> yeah, yes, please. Um, as mentioned, the both Harvest Grand Prix, so we're now getting four races at Indianapolis's road course, October 2nd and October 3rd. And then the season finale, three weeks after that, Grand Prix St. Petersburg on October 25th. So, uh... Fingers crossed um, that uh, we still have eight races between now and the end of October. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's yeah. hoping. But uh, yeah, that's that's it. a damn good calendar out of all the races that we ended up losing. Yeah. Barber, Long Beach, Coda, the Detroit Double, Richmond, I Toronto, was, Portland, uh, and Laguna Seca. Mm. I think it was um, Sam Schmidt had said... Uh, he didn't expect more than 10 races this year, and he doesn't know how Roger Penske keeps pulling rabbits out of hats. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but uh, he, he, he fight man, man finds a way. He, he, he really does. Um, also, I've just seen George Russell take a picture of him in a Mercedes AMG GTS, and I'm very jealous of him. <laughs> Bastard. Uh, um, Bastard. The only Mercedes seat he's ever going to get. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, I think it's about time we wrap up the show, because I think we're just about done here. I said we'd be crazy if we went over 90 minutes. I think we're just going to go underneath that, so ha! Suck it! We (laughs) actually just made it. You're not going to get me this time, King. (laughs) Basically, you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, personal handles at Harrison 101 HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at CBuckley917, and Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101 if you want to back us financially on there. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows, 10 gets you to support us, club of our Discord server, and you get access to these shows once we start going live on YouTube, which will be happening a lot more frequently down the road. So stay tuned for that one. And again, if you really want to listen to me on national radio with Jess McFadden and Chris Medland and Jenny Gow um, on the Checkered Flag podcast, you can on BBC Sounds. If you're in the United Kingdom, check it out on there. If you haven't already, it's up for the next 29 days. So um, it'll be a little bit less than that by the time this goes out. But uh, it, let's just say it's until the end of August, roughly. So it's on there if you want to listen to it. So, uh, so yeah, check it out if you haven't already. Yes, I was on the national radio show. I do not know how that happened. But here we are. I've been Andre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan King, and Cam Buckley. We'll be back next week to talk about the first of two British Grand Prix at Silverstone. That should be uh, 
are beaten down, most likely. But uh, until then, that's been all of us. We know what's up. Uh, Thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Wait for it. Wait for it. Cam? Cam? I didn't say bye. I did say bye. He waved like a he waved like a dork. <laughs> Watch him so this weekend too. Bye. Like <laughs> 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 you are the world champion. That was exciting.